Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? It's good to see you. Blessed. I love that, Timothy. Uh, well, it's true. I met Misty at uh, IHOP outside the cafe, the coffee shop, uh, right next door to the prayer room. And three days later, I swooped her. And uh, it's not really how it went. She actually said no the first time around, but um, she came to light and uh, said yes eventually, about a week later. Anyway, uh, here we are, 16 years married. I, I'm second generation missionary. My parents have been in YWAM, Youth with a Mission, for 44 years. And uh, everything in me never wanted to do what dad did. I wanted to prove I could do it my own way, a little bit like Kyle, cold heart. But man, God has a way of melting cold hearts, doesn't he? There's no heart that's too far from the love of God. Some of you are probably thinking I've got a bit of an accent. Well, just I'll have you know that I think you have an accent. So just to get that clear, it's good to see you, Casey. Man, it's, uh, I just love this church. It really is true what Misty said. We feel like we stepped into a well that is here that you've been... Uh, um, plowing and uh, unplugging for many years now. I remember sitting in the back corner there probably about 13, 14 years ago. I used to, when we come back and visit, Misty's parents used to live just down the road in Lakeway here. I used to come and just sit in the back uh, and just enjoy the prayer room for hours in the morning. Um, and that was my holiday. We, we, that was my vacation. We would come for a month and I would spend a lot of time just in this room. And I've encountered Jesus here Many a day, and uh, and we came in about what was it three weeks ago, and I just went, wow, what is going on here? This is incredible, uh, what God is doing. And so my goal this morning is really simple. I want to give us courage for the hour that we live in. I want to give us hope for America. I want to give us hope for the nations. My goal would be that you wake up on Monday morning and that no matter what the headline is that you're greeted with, that nothing could steal your courage and your hope that God instills in your heart today. And uh, if you've ever done any study of church history, revival history, reformation history, you don't have to look very far to discover that the greatest seasons of pressure and crisis always become the greatest seasons of harvest. It's always the darkest times where revival breaks out, where God pours out His Spirit. I mean, the layman's prayer revival is an example of that. Right before the layman's the prayer revival in 1857, enlightenment was sweeping the earth and was going across the earth. And many were into deism and the, the philosophers of the day were saying that within one generation, Christianity will cease in America. And I want you to know that their self prophecies were wrong. And you and I are evidence of that. In fact, I believe we're living in a remarkable time right now. They didn't know that in 1857, that would, revival would break out right across America that would lead to, lead to 2 million salvations in two years. Not through a known preacher, not through a celebrity, not even through a well-known church. It was the everyday believer activated and caught up in faith-filled prayer and walking in simple missions and evangelism. Two years, two million salvations. God's about to do it again. How many of you know it's moving day? It is moving day. And I want to say something about that this morning. It is moving day for sure. Um, I want to share a little bit about what we do for the last uh, 17 years. We've been pioneering a mission-based at the ends of the earth. You can uh, 
roll up the first slide there, I want to introduce you to my family. This is uh, our three little kids here, Daniel on the right, uh, Levi on my lap, and then uh, little Eden, just our treasures and joy. And so uh, we've been uh, pioneering a mission base in a place called Tauranga, New Zealand. Everyone say Tauranga. Pretty good. Uh, if you go to the next slide, uh, so New, New Zealand is there in case you forgot where it was. Um, it literally is at the ends of the earth. Glenn, I don't know if Glenn was joking or not there, but actual ends of the earth, the uttermost parts of the earth. Um, some people have asked me how long it takes to drive from Australia to New Zealand, but the map shows very clearly that uh, you must either swim boat or fly. Um, so Tauranga is right there in the North Island and the East Coast. So literally, this city, Tauranga, means a place of safe refuge or anchorage. If you Google what is the furthest city away from Jerusalem, 100,000 people or more, Tauranga is it. We are literally at the ends of the earth. So I don't know if you're joking about that, but we felt the Lord say, I want, to, I want you to raise up a prayer and mission base at the ends of the earth for the great harvest at the end of the age. And so we started, uh, my, our lives are just testimonies that God can use anybody. <laughs> really, I want you to walk out of the room this morning with your head held high, that God can use you, because if God can use me and do something, even something small through me, He can definitely do something through you. Um, and so that's where we live. If you go to the next slide, uh, this is just a picture of, uh, we've got a heart for the, for the unreached, for the unengaged, uh, where Jesus is not known. This is a picture of a recent, one of our recent teams. We've been pioneering into Nepal. In fact, we've uh, planted a uh, mission base in Kathmandu with a house of prayer in it. We're raising up Nepalese worship leaders who are interceding in Nepalese for their own people to become missionaries to go to Tibet. Isn't that awesome? But anyway, we've got a vision to get a Bible into every home in Nepal. So we send teams with backpacks filled with Nepalese Bibles to hike up 12, 14,000 feet above sea level to bring the Word of God where it's never been before. So this was just a picture of one of our teams a number of years ago went to this one particular village. They were told that there were 80 homes in this village. So for two weeks, they hike up the side of a mountain to get to this village. 80 Bibles and backpacks. They get there. This is what happens. The whole village comes. They've never seen anything like this, like a group coming to bring gifts. Preach the gospel, people getting saved, handing out Bibles. We were told, actually, there's 90 homes in the village and there's two schools. We'd like a Bible for each of them, please. So we go, we've only got 80 and we're not walking back two weeks to get 12 more. So we pray and we say, God, you did it with the fish and the loaves. Could you do it again for your very word in the highest, most isolated places in the Himalayas? And sure enough, guess how many Bibles we handed out on that day? 92. Somewhere between the prayer and handing out that last Bible, God multiplied the word of God in Nepalese. How many of you know that God is jealous for his name, for his son to be known in even the highest villages uh, in the Himalayas? If you go to the next slide, this is just a picture of an old uh, Nepalese woman receiving the Word of God in her language for the very first time. Isn't that amazing? Man, I am just, my heart is burning just looking at these pictures all over again, just feeling God's heart to be known in the nations. Let's go to the next slide. Well, uh, this is our ship. <laughs> um, 
I went on, me and Misty went on a honeymoon on a cruise, and I got seasick. And I wanted nothing to do with ships. <laughs> but uh, we go to the house of prayer about six years ago. We went to the prophecy rooms, and a young girl, she's about 18, she looked at us and she said, I see a picture of a ship going into an island that looks like a crescent shape, and I see you bringing hope and the good news of Jesus Christ from this ship. And so we sort of just wrote it off and went, well, that's cute. Lord, how do we, how do we metaphorically grab that and apply it to our life? Or maybe God wants us to have a jet ski or a, I don't know. But um, here we are just before COVID, a non-Christian man was going to scrap this ship. Now, have you ever seen the movie The Meg, the one with the shark in it? If you haven't, don't, don't watch it. But uh, if you've ever seen the movie The Meg, this is one of the ships in that movie where the, where the shark jumps over the ship. But anyway, uh, this, this non-Christian man was about to scrap this ship because he could get more money for the metal than uh, he could if he sold it. And so uh, he was about to scrap it, and the lawyer said, well, actually, have you heard of this group called Youth of the Mission? They do stuff with ships to reach the isolated uh, islands and peoples in the, er- in the earth. And he said, no, but, uh, and the guy said, well, uh, they might want your ship. Here's a number of a guy, and we had a guy that had just joined our staff who's a, uh, a naval architect and a marine engineer, and uh, gets the number, calls him. We're in a board meeting, and uh, the guy, Nigel, says, hey, I heard you guys use ships. Do you want a ship? He goes, what? He goes, yeah, it's in the port. Come down and see it. It's yours today if you want it. In fact, I'll put 30,000 liters of diesel in it, and I'll give you uh, free uh, slippage for the next six months. So we quit the board meeting right there and then because we get the phone call, go down there, we walk on the ship and God begins to download his heart for the least, for the last, the marginalized and the forgotten that are living in the most isolated parts of the earth. And God begins to download blueprints to us of how we can use this ship using medical care to bring the hope of the good news to those that otherwise would never have a chance to hear it. And so for the last three years during COVID, we've been just renovating the ship. When we were given it, it was black. We painted it blue, renamed it the YWAM Koha, which means the gift. And uh, we're just astounded at how God has breathed on this thing. And you can see this little, uh, there's a shipping container, that white shipping container right on the front deck there. So we can fit five of those on the ship. We can renovate them to use them uh, as uh, dental surgeries, primary health care services, optometry, hearing, any kind of service you want to offer. You can put it into a shipping container and you can take it to an island and you can use that as the spearhead, which opens people's hearts so that you can bring the next layer, the real layer, which is the gospel. And there's something powerful that when you marry compassion and mercy ministries with the preaching of the gospel that breaks open communities for the outpouring of God's Spirit. And so we've been working hard over the last three years. Then COVID comes and we go, oh no, we've got a ship and we can't send it. What do we do? The Lord says, well, what's in your hand? We said, well, we've got a ship and we've got dental, uh, we've got a dental container. He says, well, put it on a truck and use it in your backyard. So we put it on a truck. We started using uh, this dental container, just like this, and we took it to the most poorest communities that we could find around Tauranga and our region. And uh, over the last 12 months, we have fixed 
the teeth of over 1,200 people, $600,000 worth of free dental care to the poorest of the poor people that could otherwise never afford it. Here's a picture. Just if you go to the next slide, this is a before picture. Let's go to the next one. After. Okay, let's go another one. Before. Let's go after. This is a picture actually of a lady who uh, she was so insecure and thought that all she'd ever do was work in the kitchen. And uh, she came in, she's got kids, and she walks out like this, and, uh, and uh, she has a big smile. And the testimony is, is that today she's actually an early childhood teaching uh, trainer, training so that she can be a teacher to impart to the next generation. Isn't it amazing how God can change somebody's life just because you fix their teeth? And you and I know if your teeth are in pain, your whole body's in pain. But God has been uh, using uh, this service to open the heart of communities. In fact, we've got all of the district health boards in the North Island of New Zealand begging us to come to the community with our Christian dentists that are volunteering their time and service. Uh, and they're just saying, can you come and help us? Because this, this is an area the government isn't helping with. And uh, by the way, in New Zealand, all your health care is subsidized by the government except for what's happening in your mouth, your teeth. And so we've kind of hit this niche kind of by accident, I would say by the Lord's sovereign plan and desire. And God is uh, opening up doors that we could never imagine. I want to show you a video of this ship. My family and thousands of others live on beautiful islands all across the Pacific Ocean. We are part of a very diverse region with many different languages, communities, and cultures. However, we all live with one challenge. We are isolated. You know, the hospitality and welcome of the islands are legendary. You may have seen tourist pictures of these beautiful islands and many places we go are just like that. However, we have learned we don't have to be there very long and you see the devastating effects of isolation that these people live with. They have no way to obtain health care, dental care, vaccinations. So in that kind of situation, something as simple as a fever, a wound, an infection that sets in can become a life-threatening situation. During one of our recent trips to Papua New Guinea, we met a man named Abraham. He lived on an isolated island just north of Medang. He hadn't seen in over 17 years. And because of that, he'd lost his livelihood, he lost hope. His entire village couldn't wait for the YWAM ship to come in. After a simple 30-minute operation, sight returned to his eyes. In addition to Abraham, 10 others that day had their eyesight restored. These ships are creating a way to change thousands of people's lives, and hope is becoming a reality. In the last three years, we have seen over 900 students and volunteers 
provide more than 150,000 services in 284 villages. We have been invited by many government officials to bring services to their coastlines. It is incredible to see these doors open in partnership with the government. These germs make you sick. And that's why we're going to teach you so you know why you're washing your hands. We know that there are thousands of people in similar situations like Abraham. For people living on these isolated islands, ships aren't just a good idea, they are the only option. I can still remember the first time I saw a blind person see again. And in that moment, it was so much more than their sight being repaired. It was a restoration of their hope. And that's why it's so worth it. It's so worth it. This is the pure gospel. Jesus met people where they were at when he walked this earth centuries ago. He's still doing it today. I want to bring health care. I want to bring encouragement. I want to bring hope. I want to bring restoration. Transformation. Joy. Education. Compassion. Comfort. Change. Love. Truth. Mercy. Jesus. So uh, just gives you a bit of a picture of what we're up to. This ship, that's our ship. So it's just sailed out of the harbor, uh, I think it was two days ago. And so we're going up to Fiji. And we're partnering with the government there and, and the church. And we're uh, looking at... Um, uh, starting in this one particular island called Rambi Island in the Northern District. 3,000 people live there, and uh, there's no health services, none of that. And so we're uh, looking at using this ship over the next three months to do that. And um, it's been astounding how God has provided even non-Christian businesses donate, donating hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, it's just, I mean, we, neither of Misty or I <coughs> have a background in healthcare. We don't really like ships. But God, <laughs> but God seems to just use whatever willingness you have. And I guess that's the key, right? Just being willing and having a, a big yes to uh, obedience to the Lord. And so uh, if you'd like to journey with us in prayer or just uh, follow the story of the ship on the way out, grab one of our little cards. It's got a QR code. If you go to that, it's got all the website, all the updates and contact details for Misty and I as well. And uh, make sure you do that on the way out. And we'd love to stay in touch with you. All right, let's dive into the Word. If we can uh, throw up Matthew 28, verse 18. <clears throat> it says this, And Jesus came to them and He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, which means to completely immerse, in the name of the Father, which means the character, the nature, the likeness, the who He is of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey how many things? Everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And Mark, Mark 16, verse 15, he said it like this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now, this is what we know as the Great Commission. The Great Commission. And uh, someone sung this morning or prayed about it is moving day. And uh, Jesus said it was moving day 2,000 years ago. He said, go. And he didn't say, some of you go. He said, go. <laughs> Which means all of us go. <laughs> 
Now, it doesn't mean you have to go like us to the isolated islands of the Pacific or to the Himalayas of Nepal, but it means to have a willing heart to let your light shine before men. That's what Jesus said, right? Let your light shine. Now, this has always been the plan of God to, to multiply across the earth. He, how many of you know God loves humans? <laughs> God just loves humans. Sometimes I look at myself or the people around me, I'm like, why? <laughs> but God loves humans. But right back from the garden, the garden of Eden, if you read in Genesis chapter 2, there were four different rivers that flowed through that garden. Now, this is where God put humans to live in their optimum before the fall. Now, these four rivers that flowed through the garden were Pishon, Gihon, Tigris, and the Euphrates. Now, in the order that they're stated in Genesis chapter 2, check this out, the meanings of the rivers that flowed through the original garden called Eden that God is going to restore uh, at the end. How many of you know God's going to restore it? Uh, this. This is the meanings and order that they're stated in Genesis chapter 2. Increase, bursting forth, rapid, and fruitfulness. In other words, you could say it this way, increase bursting forth and rapid fruitfulness. That's always been God's intention and it always will be. How many of you know God is the God of multiplication? Well, let's talk about the Great Commission. There's, I want to give you a little snapshot this morning that I hope will be a little bit like a defibrillator to your spirit that will spark faith and courage in you as you look at what God is doing across the earth. Sometimes we're so caught up in our, our deal, and that's right, but sometimes we need to take a step back and go, what is God doing across the earth? Do you know the fastest growing church is in Iran? This is good news. About 20 years ago, <laughs> if you... <laughs> If you would have said that or thought that that could even be possible, you would have been called crazy. The second to Iran is Afghanistan. How many of you know persecution causes the church to grow real fast? The third would probably be the Himalayan region. Okay, so Bhutan, northern India, Nepal, uh, Tibet. This is crazy because 20, 30 years ago, these nations were considered untouchable. There is a rapid acceleration of the gospel across the planet right now. In 2018, a number of Indonesian uh, leaders in the church gathered together and they began to look at what God was doing across the nation of Indonesia, which is the fast, which is the, the, the most concentrated uh, amount of Muslims in the world are in Indonesia. More Muslims in Indonesia than any other country on the planet. And as they calculated what God was doing, they said that every 20 seconds, a Muslim is turning to Jesus in Indonesia. You know that you are the first generation for the first time in history to wake up where, the, where there are Bible-believing Christians in every geopolitical nation on the earth. You are. We are. You know, Islam started in about uh, uh, 1,400 years ago, 600 AD, Muhammad. In the last 22 years, so from 2000 to the year 2022, more Muslims have turned to Jesus in the last two decades than all of uh, history since Islam started. Do you know why? They figured out the rise of ISIS and these extremist uh, Muslims, there were hundreds, there's 
thousands, millions of Muslims going, we want nothing to do with that, and they're turning to Jesus. That's the hour that we live in right now. There's many reasons behind that. How many of you know the man in white, visions, dreams, miracles? He's the God that always did miracles, and He always will do. Now, in the missions world, we talk about two, two terms in particular. One is called unreached. Everyone say unreached. And one is unengaged. Everyone say unengaged. So unreached is where there is less than 2% Christian in that particular uh, place. And they lack the sufficient resources to grow on their own as an indigenous church. When it crosses the 2% threshold, that's usually where there's enough of the population and momentum where the church can grow on its own. So that's unreached. But then unengaged, unengaged is where there is not a single known believer in that people group, okay? Not a single known church, not a, not a missionary that's trying to reach them. Uh, and, and this is tragic that there are unengaged people groups uh, in the day that we live in with all of our technology and all of our resources. And so what happened was in the year 2000, a bunch of missions and church leaders came together and uh, they began to look out and map the Great Commission and what was going on, how many uh, unreached and how many unengaged people groups are there in the earth. And uh, it's called Finishing the Task. Some of you may have heard of it. And they found that there was still 3,148 unengaged people groups on the planet. This is in the year 2000. Not a single missionary, not a single believer, and not a single church. This group of leaders, they took a stand and they said, this is absolutely unacceptable that there are thousands of churches in the West across Europe, America, Australia, New Zealand, and there are still 3,158 unengaged people groups on the planet. And they made a commitment. They said, we will, we will not die until that statistic is zero. Today, there are less than 100 and 40. And all those are already spoken for with groups that are committed to go after them until they are reached. They are adopted, you could say, but they're not engaged. In the next two years, every people group, there's over 16,000 people groups on the planet. In the next two years, every people group on the planet will be engaged. Matthew 24 verse 14 says this, and this gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. In the next couple of years, this scripture will be fulfilled. There will be a, think about this for a minute, a real day a real time, a real hour, a real minute where the last language on the earth worships Jesus. A real minute and time that we are on the conveyor belt to where the last language sings to Jesus. And we are the first generation in human history that will find ourselves living in that 
Matthew 24 passage. By the beginning of 2025, we will begin the translation of the final language on earth into Scripture. By the year 2033, they estimate that every language on the planet will have at least minimum the whole of the New Testament in their language. So not only will every people group be engaged with the proclamation of the gospel, the Word of God will be in every language. How many of you think you might be alive by 2033? Anybody in the room? <laughs> Come on. Some of you are like, Lord, just another 10 years. Come on. <laughs> what I want to tell you this morning is we will be crossing the most historic, one of the most historic finish lines in church history in the next 10 years. It is right in front of us. And somehow, friends, we get to be alive and we get to be a part of it. Here's the reality. Over 100,000 people a day die without faith. That's the, that's the harsh reality of it all. 100, 000, over 100,000 in the world every day die without faith. That has to produce urgency in our hearts. The challenge is massive. There's, there's 3.2 billion in the world that are yet to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. 3.2 billion. The responsibility is massive. Of the entire global missions force, which is about, there's about 420,000 missionaries in the world right now that have actually left their nation to go to another nation. That's what I mean by mission. 3% of the 420,000 are working amongst the 3.2 billion. That makes up this, 12,000 missionaries working to reach 3.2 billion that are yet to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That means this, about one missionary for every 405,000 Muslims on the planet. I'm telling you, God is raising up His people right now. He's, it's moving day. <laughs> it's time to go. Some of you are like, I, I can't go. It's okay, but you can go to your neighborhood. You can go to your very neighbor. You can go. To go, you've got to have the missional heart. What's the missional heart? The missional heart is all about adoptive love. That's it. It's the spirit of adoption. We've been brought in, and it's time for us now to bring others in. Jesus looked down at the earth, the brokenness, the sin, the sickness, the anxiety, the fear, and the hatred. And he said, I didn't cause any of this. None of these things are in me. It's the result of sin. I didn't cause it, but I'm going to take responsibility for it. See, as a parent, we're trying to raise our kids to be responsible, right? <laughs> How many parents in the room have told your kids, be responsible? I think I did that yesterday. <laughs> so the great goal of any parent is kids finish high school, they leave home, go to college or whatever they do, and they, and they actually lock in and they begin to cook for themselves, drive themselves. You're like, yes, I did it. My kid is responsible. They're responsible for themselves. But I want to propose to you that being responsible for your own actions is only the entry uh, level to mature love. 
Real maturity is achieved when you begin to take on responsibility for someone else's actions. Jesus looked out and he said, I didn't cause it, but I'll fix it. I'm not the reason that the woman at the well had five husbands. But I'm gonna be the reason that she drinks from a water where she'll never get thirsty again. I'm not the reason that this man was chained and lives amongst the dead, the demoniac, that's been written off of any hope of being restored. But I'm gonna be the reason that in one conversation that he is completely set free. Come on, somebody. I'm not the reason that the world was full of sin, but I am gonna be the reason that sin can be broken and anyone who believes in me, Jesus says, will have freedom. Adoptive love is what led Jesus to say, I didn't cause it, but I will take responsibility for it. That's mature love. And this is the key to the missional heart. It's adoptive love. We don't know anyone that lives in these islands, but we have an adoptive love that God has given us through these blueprints, probably because Glenn prophesied that over us, <laughs> where God has gripped us for a people that we haven't even met yet. And we've got no plan B. We've burned our bridges 16, 17 years ago. <laughs> we just got one plan and it's God's plan. Hear God, obey, and don't quit. That's it. It's as simple as that. We're in a time of crisis right now. And I feel like every part of this chaos that we've been in over the next num last number of years, the whole agenda has be, been to silence the church. The pandemic, the political stuff going on, division on almost every level, uh, the fear of financial crisis, all of it is an all-out attack on the church to silence and keep the church feeling insecure. Not necessarily to renounce our faith. I don't think, it's, it's not like the enemy is trying to get us to renounce our faith. I think he knows that we've got enough resolve now. It's not like he's trying to tempt us to become Buddhists <laughs> or worship some statue somewhere. I mean, I don't know, maybe one or two. But I don't think anyone in this room is gonna wake up tomorrow and say, Buddhism sounds really good. See, when we have a resolve to follow Jesus, He changes His tactic. And He says, you wanna be a Christian? Fine, go ahead, but just be a silent one. Just be a quiet one. Hide your light under a bushel. Man, I went, I went to my kids' kindergarten. They're singing this song, this little light of mine. Anyone know it? I'm gonna let it. This little light of mine. I got mad. I, this ain't no little light. This is the uncreated, eternal God that spoke earth, and in a nanosecond, it came into being. It's a blazing inferno to stop singing the song. It's like this blazing light of mine, I am going to let it shine. It is moving day. How many of you know that safe Christianity has never changed the world? 
It never will, it never has. Safe Christianity isn't what got River in the Hills to where it is today. You are here because somebody stepped out and let their light shine. You are in the room because you are an answer to somebody's prayer. Your life is a testimony that prayer works. Don't ever doubt again. I feel that we need to throw off every yoke of safe Christianity. Every lie that we've been brought into that has made us feel insecure. If I say it, maybe I said it wrong. Or if I, if I don't say it, then I'm just complicit. These are unprecedented days, friends. There's crisis everywhere and it's not getting any easier anytime soon. There's shakings all around us. But in the midst of the shaking, God is causing us to rise up and have faith that's bigger than the crisis, to see a God that's bigger than the crisis. God is raising up a people that see Him in the midst of the shaking. It's like uh, in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, it says that we're to live by faith and not by sight, right? To live by faith and not by sight. Romans 10 verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. Hearing comes, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. So if it's God, you're probably gonna hear it before you see it. But a lot of people wanna see something before they believe it. But, fa- but if you feel something, if you hear something, if God is whispering to you, more likely than not, God is speaking and He's stirring up faith for the impossible. Willing to hear God obey and not quit. How many rooms on the entire earth could God look down and He knows that they would have a yes in their heart even before the question was asked? I wonder how much of God's ask of us is curbed because He knows our hesitancy and He knows it's gonna take us 10 years to get to the point where we might say yes. What if God could be raw with a room? What if God knows that there is a room full of people in Austin, Texas, that whatever He says, wherever He says to go, whatever the cost, there is already a yes in their heart even before the question's asked. Come on, somebody. Who's in for that? (laughs) Why do you think Noah and David were heroes? Well, because they did everything that God asked of them. Think about it. Noah had the worst request in the Bible for sure. Genesis 6 verse 22 says this, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. We are on the verge of something absolutely amazing. And uh, God is releasing a mantle on a generation. There's been many that have uh, gone before us, that have paved the way, that have plowed the ground, that have dug up wells. But it is time now to step in for the next generation where God's not releasing a mantle on just one man or woman, but it's on the whole body of Christ. What rested on Billy Graham, what rested on Reinhard Bonnke, what rested on uh, Benny Johnson, what rested on Joy Dawson, these ones that have gone before us, God is now releasing a mantle that's not just on one person, but it's on the whole body. It's what we're starting to feel in our spirits as we begin to follow Jesus and obey Him week to week. Well, uh, kind of out of time. I feel like I just got started, but uh, I feel so stirred. Do you feel stirred this morning? I wanna, uh, if, if you're in the room this morning and you just go, yeah, I want my light to shine before men. 
I want to say yes to this. I want to say yes to the Great Commission again. I want to be in for the move of God, whatever it costs, wherever it means I've got to go, whatever I've got to do. I want to burn the bridges to all my plan B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. I want to burn the bridges. I want one plan and it's hear God, obey and don't quit. If that's you, I just want you to stand to your feet. You know, there's only two times that Jesus was amazed in the whole of Scripture. One was, I mean, just the fact that Jesus was amazed. It's just amazing. I mean, you think about it, the eternal God who always was from everlasting to everlasting, you know, four living creatures, angels, 10,000 times 10,000, worshiping Him all the time. I mean, what could shock him? (laughs) He goes to his hometown, Nazareth. Do you know he was shocked by their unbelief? Like the eternal omnipotent God in a human body goes into the hometown and he's like, whoa! (laughs) The unbelief. My prayer is, God, don't let me shock you with my unbelief. (laughs) You know, the second time, where he was shocked, the story in Matthew 8 with the centurion. And uh, the centurion's servant was sick. And Jesus came and he said, well, I will go and I'll heal him. And the, the centurion goes, well, I think I know who you are. You're God. You could do whatever you want. See, there was a default faith level that said that Jesus had to be in close proximity to you, either touch you or speak to you to heal you. And so that's why Jesus operating according to the default faith level in the region. How many of you know every region, every church, every nation, there's a default faith level that is set by the leaders, that's set by the church, that they believe God up until a certain point. And Jesus is operating according to the default faith level. He says to the centurion, I will go with you. I'll go and heal him. Because that's what there was faith to believe for. And the centurion says, no, I think I know who you are. Just say the word. Just say it. And Jesus goes, oh. In fact, you know what it says? He was astonished. He had not seen that kind of faith in the whole nation. Why? Because the centurion was punching through the default faith level that says God can only move up into this point because that's all we've ever seen. And Jesus goes, wow. Second time and the last time that the God of the universe in a human body was shocked was when someone punched through the default faith level. I think this morning we could punch through the default faith level to say it's time for a move of God. It's time for revival. It's time for the the harvest. It is harvest time. It's moving day and it is harvest time. Well, I wanna pray for you this morning. If you need a miracle, just receive it right now by faith. We already heard about this back being healed. Just receive your miracle in your body right now by faith in Jesus' name. Be healed. Thank you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here right now. I just feel like there's someone that came in the room this morning that was just filled with anxiety. 
about your work and also your family. It was your work and your family. There's something happening in your job and there's some uh, relational dynamics in your family that's just causing immense stress. The Lord says, be free in Jesus' name. Be free. Let that weight of anxiety just be lifted off. Peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Come. Come, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just release your power in our midst this morning. God, we thank you that you're the same today as you were yesterday and you always will be forever. You never change. You're the miracle working God. You're the God that activates. You're the God that sends. Lord, I ask across this room this morning that you would mark us for your purposes in this generation. It may not be the isolated islands of the South Pacific or the unreached people groups in the Himalayas, but would you ask Him this morning for His heart afresh for your neighborhood, for your street, for your very neighbors? Ask Him, God, how do you see my neighbors? What do you see when you look at them? Ask Him to open a door. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, I ask for an impartation of faith and courage. God, I thank You for what You're doing all across the world right now. Lord, that You are moving in incredible power. Lord, we thank You for what heaven's headlines share, not what the world shares, but what You are saying and what You are doing in the earth, God. We just sign up again with fresh faith in our hearts, with a big yes to obedience to the Lord again this morning, to hear God, to obey, to step out. Lord, I thank You for a fresh mantle even coming on River in the Hills Church. Lord, I thank You that this is gonna be a place of mission sending, that there will be fiery arrows sent out from this, this very room, this small room in the back corners of Austin. God, I thank You that it would be of Your heart that You would send out arrows to the unreached, to the unengaged, God. Would You do it, God? Do it, God. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus.